Welcome to the Pet Photographers Club with your hosts, Caitlin and Kirsty. Tune in as experts share their insights to help grow your business with higher sales, creative marketing, and kick arse business strategies. Now on to the show. Hello, hello, and welcome to season nine, episode three of the Pet Photographers Club. It's your host, Caitlin Day McCall here. I am jumping on quickly before we dive into this episode, just to let you know that if you are listening to this live, the International Pet Photographer of the Year Awards are still open, but they are closing really soon. So the entries close on the 31st of May at 11.59 p.m. precisely GMT time. So that's London time. So please, please, please make sure that you convert that time zone to wherever you are in the world because every year we have people who just assume it's um, in their own time zone, but obviously uh, that would be impossible for us to manage. So make sure you convert that time zone, 11.59 on May the 31st, London time. Um, entries are closing. If you are a member of the Pet Photographers Club, you will have a 24 hour extension on that deadline. But we would love to see your entries in there. Uh, We say it all the time, you have to be in it to win it. It is a free competition. The prizes are absolutely phenomenal. We actually have one of the sponsors of this year's awards with us today for this episode. So I will introduce them in a minute but yeah just wanted to encourage you if you have not yet it is not too late you can still enter just head over to the petphotographersclub.com forward slash awards to find out all the information and enter online there so speaking of our sponsors today's episode is a snippet of an interview we did with eugene from nphoto nphoto is a professional printing lab they produce really high quality handcrafted photo products for professional photographers and they're hugely supportive of the pet photography industry and community as i mentioned they are one of the sponsors for the pet photographer of the year awards so if you're not familiar with nphoto yet definitely head on over to their website it's just nphoto.com I highly recommend you check them out. They are just fantastic, beautiful work, and we love collaborating with them. So in today's episode, we're going to share a snippet of a longer interview that we did with Eugene from Enphoto. I will put a link in the show notes for where you can listen slash watch that whole episode. It's on their Facebook page. They interview lots of different photographers and educators um, over on there. So you can definitely, if you are into these productivity tips that Kirsty and I are about to share, head on over and listen to the whole one because I mean, I'm biased, but I thought it was quite an interesting conversation. But yeah, I will stop chit-chatting now. Enter the awards if you haven't already, guys. Really excited for that. And enjoy this conversation with Photo. Bye for now. Hello, photography friends, and welcome to our next edition of Live Chat with Enphoto. We are pleased to be joined with our wonderful guest today, though, from the Pet Photographers Club, an international platform uh, to bring together all pet photographers from around the world. Now, the Pet Photographers Club is headed by the two beautiful women we have with us here today, Kirstie and Caitlin McCall. 
And uh, we have many exciting topics to explore for you today to talk about your pet photography business and professional photography and business in general. If you happen to join us and you're not a pet photographer, don't fear. I have a feeling a lot of these tips that they're about to give us will be translatable across most, if not all, photography genres. So thank you for joining us today, Kirsty and Caitlin. I just want to jump to that before we get to the actual topic at hand. 1,500 entries you guys mentioned for over 50 countries. I'm just speaking about the pet photography genre as a whole now. Now, M Photo Lab, of course, we service all types of professional photographers of all different, you know, genres and things like this. And I have to say, you know, um, I'm on the inside, so I understand a little bit. Yeah, that's an emerging genre. That's really, because pet photography, you know, it's something compared to wedding or something, it's, it's kind of a new kid on the block. But just tell me a little bit more how much this is growing. It really is something that is taking the world by storm, isn't it? Yes. So I know I started, uh-oh, uh, 2012, I think, as a pet, pet photographer. Um, I was the only one in Adelaide, so in my city in Australia. At the time, uh, there were a couple of family photographers that had added uh, pets to their their options, but nobody that specialised in pets. And if you think it grew from from that only, you know, 10 years ago or a few more in the States to what it is today, like Caitlin said, 56 countries. Like if you look through our membership, it's amazing. I mean, I see a country pop up and I think, whoa, like, <laughs> yeah, it's just it's fantastic to see. And the community, I must say, is beautiful amongst pet photographers. Like there's um, this real feeling of community. Everybody wants to help each other. So if you are new to the industry or you're thinking about adding pets, like don't ever be afraid to join a community like ours. So we're primarily a podcast. Well, that's how it began. Uh, now it's a full education platform, basically, the Pet Photographers Club with the awards and the conference and everything now. There's also a, a few other platforms as well. And uh, when you jump on those, especially in the like Facebook groups and things like that, they're really active and everybody is really supportive as well. And I don't know, I feel like that must be a part of why the industry is growing as well as it, like, as quickly as it has over the years. Um, and yeah, now more people are getting involved. I don't know what your opinion is of that, Caitlin. <laughs> Oh, definitely. I think you sort of, you have to get into pet photography because you have a genuine love of pets and photography. Otherwise, you <laughs> do any sort of e easier to access genre, do you know what I mean? So yeah. the result is that you have really, really, really passionate people who all have not only photography in common, but a love of pets. When we started the club, it was because Kirsten and I were friends, but we felt like really isolated I guess because not only is just running your own business your own photography business can be a bit lonely at times but then when you add on to the fact that our niche was so niche felt like we really can't talk to anyone about our specific industry and then whenever we would meet up whenever Kirsty was in my state we'd just chat business the whole time we were like, <laughs> it'd be nice if we could do this on a, on a bigger level and connect other people. So that's why we started the club in the first place a few years ago. So, yeah, we do love to chat pet photography. You won't be able to shut mm. us up. <laughs> <laughs> and as I mentioned, the Pet Photographers Club is the best place to start to uh, join this network of pet photographers in this 
growing industry and this passionate industry. So how can they benefit the best from their pet photography business? I want to get into the topic of today, which is top five tips to streamline your business. And I understand that you two uh, have a nice list that you've compiled uh, for pointers of ways people can make the most out of their pet photography business. So um, without further ado, I guess I will ask, what do you suppose is the first point on the list of ways that pet photographers or potential professional pet photographers can really streamline their business? I'll, I'll jump in first um, because this is a mistake that I made when I first started shooting was um, our tip number one is to pick set locations that your clients choose from. So the temptation or is when you first start shooting that you ask the client, where would you like to shoot? Often the client will pick their home and their favourite dog park, that kind of thing. Um, But the reality is you have no idea unless you're going to go scout that location beforehand, which is adding however much more time onto your client shoot. Um, You have no idea what that location is going to look like. And because it's in pet photography, the client would be picking the dog's favourite location which often is a really ugly dog park. (laughs) So not only are you adding that travel time to go to all the different clients, you don't know what the location is going to look like unless you're going to location scout it beforehand. And it's probably not going to be perfectly photogenic. So I much prefer having a short list of locations that I know like the back of my hand I know that they're dog friendly but they're not going to be overrun with loads of off-leash dogs that are really distracting to the model that we're shooting Um, I know that they're really photogenic I like to know that I can shoot there at any time of day that's the other thing if you rock up to their favorite dog park and it's a big field and there's no shade and you're shooting at 2 p.m. or something, um, then you would freak out a little bit. So the locations that I've got, I know that regardless of the time of day, there's going to be situations where I can control the natural light because I'm a natural light photographer. Um, So I just think having those set locations, it takes away this whole aspect of the client trying to decide where they should shoot or you having to travel all around. So it really helps streamline that that booking process as well. Um, so I just have it as a drop down when they're booking their scheduling in their time, which we'll get to scheduling software. Um, but yeah, it makes it so much easier. Highly, highly recommend. But I did that for too many years, traveling all around. Now I just go to a, the park that's 10 minute drive away from me that is beautiful and dog friendly and photogenic. <laughs> <laughs> I think you made a really good point, Caitlin, when you said um, you mentioned very briefly um, that it's actually easier for the client. So at the end of the day, most of us um, as photographers make decisions in our business that, well, in the end of the day, profit us. But part of that is making sure that it's a great experience for the client. And I think sometimes we focus on that a little bit with um, blinkers and we actually forget that, you know, like it, it can initially seem like, oh, it will benefit the client the most if we ask them what they want, like what's important to them, which definitely that is important to know as well. Um, but do we need to ask them to make more decisions than necessary? No. And at the end of the day, they came to you because you're the professional and they trust you and they came to you because your images on your website and on your socials reflect an image that they want 
And the client can't see like we see. And so they're going to say, yeah, I, I, something special to me is my local dog park. And you go there and there are 15 Dobermans because they're having a Doberman party. And you've got like a dog that's scared of other dogs. <laughs> and, you know, so you have the issue of the sun is straight down. And then also like your dog is anxious that you're trying to photograph or, or whatever else situation. So even though the client might have the best intentions by choosing their favorite dog park, it doesn't end up often it doesn't end up actually being the best thing for the client so if you kind of reverse your thinking a little bit like what really is the best thing for the client is allowing them to trust you because you know and if you just do like what Caitlin did and I started doing it too um these are my recommended locations pick one and then if the client really isn't sure you know how they feel about that they will say they will say like oh yeah location special to me and you can discuss it with them and maybe you can decide that, yes, you will go there for a travel fee or maybe you decide, uh, you know, that you can find a way to ensure the client understands why that actually isn't a good location. Um, I think that's what you do, isn't it, Caitlin? Yeah, I do. Look, don't get me wrong, one out of 15 sessions maybe I don't end up doing my set locations for various reasons. They have a cat, so obviously not taking the cat to the to the park, um, or they have really reactive unleashed dogs, that kind of thing. So, like even just last week, I had two little dogs, and they booked in their session um, and then contacted me to say, "Look, we've picked this park, but we really think it." we should probably do it at home because this and this reason, basically the dogs are really reactive only to to other dogs. Um, So they were really uncomfortable taking them to the park. That's no problem. One out of 15, one out of 20 sessions that I can make an exception to, as you said, if it was that they were further away and they really didn't want to come in, then we could charge a travel fee. Although most people are happy just to come in, um, which saves so much time. I remember I used to spend hours driving to all these different locations. And now once I realised you can just tell people to come to you, (laughs) why did I not do that? (laughs) years ago but you know it takes it does take a bit of confidence to say this is this is where you have to come um but you'll find that if people want to work with you then they'll do that and then forgive me if you said this but how many locations do you you generally have on your list i have well i have two different kinds of sessions so i have what i call a pocket session that's basically a mini session and that has Mm -hmm. one location choice the park okay five to 10 minutes down the road from me. Um, Surprise, surprise. So I like to do those back to back, which I can do thanks to my scheduling software. Mm -hmm. Um, And then if they book in what I call a full session, which basically the no time limits bigger session, um, Mm -hmm. then I have three different location options. I started, when I started doing these location options things, I think I had 10 and I thought, ooh, look at me giving them just like, options instead of saying where do you want to shoot like I thought that was me being like really strict and then over the years I've just cut them down and down and down because I've realized why am I giving them the options that are not my favorite to shoot at Mm. um I've just got the one that's close to me I've got one that's on the other side of the bridge of the city so it's a bit more accessible for people on that side of the city um both of those locations I can tack on the beach afterwards. So that's quite a popular thing when you're photographing pets is to do a combo of park and beach. And then I have one city CBD option for people that really want to go like that urban 
the urban look, but that I will always follow up with just checking what the temperament of their dog is like because obviously nervous dogs, we don't want to be photographing the middle of the city. Um, but, yeah, so three location options basically for me. Okay. And I love that, um, like, Caitlin, you just said, like, I have a park on my side, uh, another location on just the other side of the bridge, and then the city. So basically you've covered and then the beach can be added to two of those. You've covered, like, Every look, basically a client is going to come and their options are like, I like, well, for my clients, because I did more, um, well, also Adelaide is super dry, um, <laughs> but I did more like a bush vibe. So my options were like a bush vibe, a green grass, like manicured park vibe, a beach vibe. I had the three. And that was also it for me. And then if they wanted the city, then we discussed it because I found most of my clients' dogs were not suitable to be in the city, despite them thinking that they were. Um, and so I just took the city option away and I gave, um, those kind of three options instead. Um, and I, I also had a questionnaire, which I might jump to shortly, um, that helped. So they filled out this survey before they booked a time. And that helped me a lot because then if their survey said like, my house is a country vibe and this and that and the other, and then they picked a location that was beach. Um, then I could come to them and say, are you sure you want the beach? Because it doesn't really suit your home. Um, because I think the end goal for me was to sell the wall art. And if when they came to look at the photos and I had their wall and then the image plugged into it and it was like a disconnect because the bright blue didn't suit like the, the earthy greens of their home, I'm not going to sell it. And so that was also something I used to do is just like Caitlin said, she double checked with temperament. I used to double check temperament, but also um, saleability basically. But I'm happy where you went with your, your point there, Kirsty, um, because another element of picking the locations, it can give the, the photographer the total control and it can set the photographer up for the most success later in the sales process, even because like you say, Kiersey, you can be more thinking ahead of like, how is this going to play into their home? Ultimately, is it going to give them a product later that they're going to see can really complement their home perfectly. And I love this, this, this discussion as well, because the, the philosophy of it can translate perfectly as well into the print product world, which I would like to get to later after we get through the five tips of this, this feeling that um, if you, take too much control, you're, you're disservicing the client, when in fact it's generally the opposite, where the client really will actually appreciate the more you can guide them and, and give them the support. Uh, because as you say, that's kind of what they're paying for. So it can work with locations and it can also work with print products too. And of course, not giving them too much choice. I want to ask uh, one thing about these locations. Are you finding, Caitlin, that you are kind of shuffling the locations that you're putting on the list or are you are you kind of using the same three or four for months, years yeah. at a time? Um, I would say 90% of my, I would say 85% of my shoots are all done at this one park that is down the road from me. Um, yeah. And it has been for a few years now. You would mm -hmm. think that that would make me really bored. <laughs> <laughs> um, but actually what it does really nicely is allow me to focus 100% of my creativity and 100% of my mind on the dog because every dog that obviously every dog that I'm photographing is completely unique um, and they all have their own idiosyncrasies and behavior things that I have to work with and 
work out how to bring out the best of this animal. So rather than having to look around of, oh, what's a good spot to shoot here or what's a light doing here, that kind of thing, it's almost like this park has turned into my own studio. I get a bit annoyed when it's busier. <laughs> what are you guys doing <laughs> in my park? Um, but having the confidence that I know everywhere, in this park, I know all the different areas. I know where to take a dog who is a little bit more shy, the more sheltered spots. I know where to take the dog to do some zoomy action photos, that kind of thing. It means that I can focus on the client and the photography and I'm not really worried about trying to work out where to shoot. Whenever I do have a session now where I'm at a new location, I remember like, oh, that that is frustrating that I'm wasting wasting my brain space now on trying to work out where shall I shoot next or what's the light doing that kind of thing I don't have to worry about that too much with having this same location so that's another little bonus when you're actually shooting it does help um, streamline the shooting process that's a great point too that is a great one I just want to kind of encapsulate this and say people look at it from different perspectives. And again, the photographer at the end of the day, you are the ones who have to deal with it the most. (laughs) Your clients show up, they get the pictures taken. They want them to look pretty on their wall for general. But so having a little bit of control is not necessarily a bad thing. So many great points you brought up about that of picking a set of locations uh, for your shoot. Uh, And again, this is very much in the line of pet photography, but heck, if you're like a family photographer with mini sessions or something, I can see this principle applying there as well so that's where we're going to wrap up this little snippet of the conversation with eugene from end photo but if you want to listen to the four other tips that kirsty and i had for streamlining your business just head over to our show notes at the pet photographers club.com forward slash podcast forward slash zero nine zero three for season nine episode three and we will put a link there where you can jump straight to the end photo facebook page and watch the rest of this interview. We had four other tips for streamlining and increasing your productivity as a pet photographer. And just a reminder, don't forget to enter the awards. Photo is one of our brilliant sponsors and entries do close really soon. So they close on May 31st at 11.59 p.m. GMT London time. So don't forget to convert that to your own time zone so you can work out when that is for you. But yeah, entries are totally free. The prizes are amazing. It's such a good opportunity. So we really don't want you to miss out. Um, Just head over to thepetphotographersclub.com forward slash awards to find out everything that you need to know there. I hope you enjoyed this conversation with Photo. Thank you so much, Eugene, for having us on. It was a pleasure as always to chat with you. And I hope that you guys got a little bit of inspiration into how you could incorporate just having a location choice or a location drop down for your clients rather than just doing whatever and wherever the client thinks might be good. Um, All right, we will chat to you next time. Thanks, bye for now. Thanks for listening to the Pet Photographers Club. To subscribe to the podcast, check out other episodes and keep up to date, head to thepetphotographersclub.com.